Welcome back to the Bible Brush Up podcast. Today we are continuing our journey through the Torah in our 12-week series as we read through the first five books of the Bible, and we are continuing and finishing, really, the book of Leviticus over the next few days. And some of you are already doing a little dance because you're through with the Levitical laws. Uh, but don't worry, you're about to get into a bunch of genealogies, so don't get too excited. But the book of Leviticus is wrapping up, and we continue to read some of the very detailed accounts of the do's and don'ts of being a Jewish uh, citizen of this new nation that God has created as he's pulled the people of Israel out of Egypt. He's making them very unique and very particular in such a way that they could not be confused with any other people group. When you look at the dietary laws and you look at uh, the worship requirements and what it takes to actually atone for their sins and to commune with God and the the way that they're not allowed to make any idols or any images of Yahweh, uh, and there to approach him through the priesthood that is extremely detailed and the customs of their sacrifices, burnt offerings. We look at all of that and we see that they are extremely unique. And so you cannot mistake Israel for anyone else, which is the point of the Levitical law. But today I want to look at another very unique aspect of the Israelites, and that is their celebration of the year of Jubilee. Now, we talked about the Day of Atonement in the last episode, so you can go revisit that. It was one of their uh, celebrations and one of their festivals that was crucial to having the nation's sins dealt with so that they could continue in communion with God. But from the Day of Atonement, after 49 years, they would celebrate, every 50th year, they would celebrate this year of Jubilee. And I'll stop before I go any further and talk a little bit about that number. Uh, numbers in the Bible are significant, and as you continue to read through the Bible, often numbers will be used in such a way that it requires you to look back at how that number has already been used in Scripture. That's called an antecedent, where an earlier use of the word gives meaning to where it's currently being utilized. And we see this in various accounts when People reference Sinai, or they reference the law, or they reference a particular place. They often are embedded with theological meaning from the earlier usage, the antecedent. And numbers are the same way. We see this number seven show up several times in the Levitical law, and we see that they are to honor a Sabbath day, which is Sabbath meaning seventh. Every seventh day they are to rest. They are to do no work. If they work, they are sinning. And that seventh day materializes into a uh, seventh week. And every seventh week, they're supposed to rest. And then that materializes into a seventh year, a Sabbath year. And the land is supposed to rest on that seventh year. And then you get seven seventh years, however you would say that. And that becomes the year of Jubilee. And the year of Jubilee is a grand celebration, and it is demarcated by trumpet blasts, and these trumpet blasts are communicating that it is time to hit the reset button, uh, which really is what this Sabbath is all about. And when you look at the, the number seven, that goes all the way back to creation week. God created everything in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. God didn't need to rest. God did not uh, get tired after working. He just could have spoke a word, and everything would have been exactly like it was on that sixth day, uh, but he did it in a six-day process for our sake, and he was communicating that there is rest to be found. Uh, just as God rested, people can rest, and they can find that rest in him, 
And so initially that happened as a pattern for us to follow, uh, especially us meaning the, the Jewish nation. Um, there is some New Testament significance as well, even though we do not follow this exact same pattern. Our rest is found in Christ, and we wait a new heaven and new earth where it's continuously Sabbath. But in the Israelite tradition, in the Levitical law, they were to rest on this seventh day, and that was to communicate trust and dependence on God. They were to honor him by letting the land rest because they're directly connected to the land that he is giving them. And many of these instructions in the Levitical law are not necessarily for them to carry out and obey immediately, but they are attached to the land that he is going to give them. So they can't really let the land rest as they receive this because they're in the wilderness. They're not planting. They're not uh, cultivating the ground. They're in mountainous regions that are very arid and dry. But when they get to the promised land, they're going to develop agricultural practices and they're going to have farmland and they need to let the land rest every seventh year. And if they don't do that, God has consequences for that. If they honor him and obey him, they receive the blessings of the Mosaic covenant. But if they defy God and they do, they do not let the land rest and they do not uh, treat each other the way that they're told to treat each other and they don't worship God the way that they're supposed to worship God, then there are curses that will befall them. And so that's very important going forward to see what happens to Israel. Are they going to honor God? Are they going to listen to the God? To God? Are they going to uh, let the land rest? Or are they going to violate the land by planting when they're not supposed to plant? And um, this number seven is at the center of all this. They have to keep up with the calendar. They have to understand when the seventh day is. If you accidentally forget what day it is and you go out and work, you're going to be held guilty for that. Uh, I can say I don't know what the speed limit is, officer, but if I was going 100 and a 25, I'm going to jail. You can't break the law just because you don't know what the law is. That doesn't excuse you. Neither would it for the Levites and for the rest of Israel because the, the law has been given. Now they are to uphold it and they are to keep up with these days. It's, they need to track them in such a way that they can honor the code. And this seventh of seventh years, the year of Jubilee, the trumpet would blast, and at that point, all slaves would be released. All land was not only to rest, but to go back to its original owner. And these were two very important concepts because if once you get into the promised land, life is going to continue on. People are going to have ups and downs. There are going to be times where people endure hardship. They might encounter disease. They might encounter famine. They may encounter um, some unforeseen circumstance that um, burns up their crop. Something might happen that requires them in order to survive to sell themselves or sell their land where they become slaves of another or they lose their property. And if nothing intervenes with this cause and effect scenario, they're going to end up forsaking not only their own livelihood and their own possessions, but their children's 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 possessions because they will have nothing to give to the next generation. It'll be a family tree of slaves and a family tree of landlessness. And God does not want that. He does not desire that. And so he has a reset button configured into the Levitical code. Every 50th year, after seven cycles of Sabbath years, there is a reset and people are let go from their bondage and their slavery 
and they are given back the land that they had to sell. And the Israelites know this. They know that if they buy something on the uh, 48th year, that they're only going to have that land for a couple of years before the trumpet blasts and everybody is set free and all land is returned. And this is uh, referenced several times in the Old Testament, though we do not ever have an account of this taking place. That doesn't mean that it did not take place. Uh, we simply don't have a record of it taking place. Um, we have a record of some Sabbaths. Uh, we have a record of Passovers. Uh, but we do not have a record of the trumpet blasting and people uh, with any detail describing this taking place. And, and so you can look into that and see if that's uh, because it didn't happen or whether it's just not recorded. We just don't have an account of that taking place. But there is a reference back to this law, and it becomes relevant in New Testament studies because we begin to look at Jesus and how he relates to the various festivals and we see that he is the fulfillment of all of these festivals. We see that he is the fulfillment of the uh, Festival of Booths and the Festival of Tabernacles, as it's sometimes called, because in John chapter 1, verse 14, Jesus came and it says he tabernacled among us. He fulfills the Festival of Tabernacles. Uh, we see that Jesus fulfills the Passover and that he died the day that Passover lambs were being slain. He became our Passover lamb and the blood that was applied at the first Passover that kept the angel of death from harvesting the firstborn of Israel is the same significant blood from Christ that protects us as the firstborn of God. We are his first fruits and we are um, given to him, we are bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. So he fulfills Passover. He fulfills the Day of Atonement, as we talked about last episode, how he is both the scapegoat and the goat that was killed and that was sacrificed. And so he fulfills the Day of Atonement. And there are many other festivals that we could talk about that he fulfills, but there's one more that he is going to fulfill. This is one that hasn't happened yet, but the year of jubilee when the trumpet sounds and all captives go free one day that's going to happen jesus is going to come back and when the last trumpet sounds that is the day that we are freed the day that we will be released but i'd like to conclude our time today by looking at leviticus chapter 26 and examining that quadruple p formula that we've talked so much about as it pertains to the levitical code in Leviticus, it is describing the do's and don'ts of going into the promised land and what the priests should do and how you should honor God through your dietary laws and restrictions and how you should protect um, the land and keep it uh, pure and holy and clean by uh, honoring the Sabbaths and um, not planting when you're not supposed to. All of that is completely tied to the restoration motif that was begun in Eden once they fell. Adam and Eve lost those four Ps, the presence of God, the place of God, the people of God, and the purpose of God. And now God is res resetting that and restoring that. He's sending them back into the land, into the promised land, and he's going to be their God, and he's going to go with them. And so we see these four Ps being restored. But he says here in Leviticus 26, 27, But if in spite of this you will not listen to me, but walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you in fury. And I myself will discipline you sevenfold for your sins. You shall eat the flesh of your sons, and you shall eat the flesh of your daughters. And I will destroy your high places and cut down your incense altars and cast your dead bodies upon the dead bodies of your idols. And my soul will abhor you 
And I will lay your cities waste, and I will make your sanctuaries desolate, and I will not smell your pleasing aromas. And I myself will devastate the land so that your enemies who settle in it will be appalled at it. And I will scatter you among the nations, and I will unsheath the sword after you, and your land shall be a desolation, and your cities shall be a waste. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate. And so in this passage, God reminds the people that if they do not honor him and they do not uphold their end of that agreement, that covenant that was established with Moses, what I've referred to as the rental agreement, and that God is going to discipline them sevenfold. Now, there's that number seven again, and we've already talked about uh, the numerical meaning of seven. Um, but when it says sevenfold, that doesn't mean that he's going to do something seven times, but seven is the number of completion. And that's what we get from that week of creation, that when God rested, it was complete, it was done, it was finished. And so when God says he's going to punish sevenfold, it's going to be a complete discipline, and it's going to be a, a full discipline. It's the same thing that God says to Cain when Cain is afraid that someone's going to kill him. God says, if anyone touches you and hurts you, then I will avenge you sevenfold. Um, not that if they hit you, he's going to hit them back seven times, but rather he's going to bring complete judgment and sufficient judgment upon that person. The same is said here. He's going to discipline sevenfold for the sins of the people, and he's going to not only turn from them, he says, so they're losing the presence of God, but he is going to cause them to eat their own sons and daughters. So rather than living in harmonious relationships with one another, they are going to turn against one another. They are going to destroy one another. They are going to fight with one another. It's going to be a devastation of the people of God. Uh, but not only that, but he's going to scatter them, it says. So just like the chaff coming off of their wheat, it would blow to the ends of the earth. And in the same way, when the Babylonians and the Assyrians come in and attack, many of the Israelites are scattered across the various regions of the earth and that's the punishment that's going to come to them if they don't uphold God's law. And uh, they lose not only their relationship with one another and God's presence and the Holy Land, but they lose their purpose. They're no longer able to be kings and priests of the Most High God. And so honoring God uh, is essential to them continuing their purpose and to live in the land and live with one another. And it's uh, very important to recognize the relationship that they have with the land as you go forward in the Old Testament. The next time we see you, we'll be in the book of Numbers. And uh, so I hope you enjoy your time finishing off Leviticus. And we'll pick up here next time on the Bible Brush Up Podcast.